Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. Hey, this is the uh, soon-to-be-famous Wicked Spursy podcast, <laughs> and uh, I'm Dave, joined by my usual compadres, Mike and Steve, also. You're so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> On, on which part? I don't know. I, the soon to be famous. Like, you know, I, I, I just thought I, I knew you're gonna say something. You just had a look on your face, <laughs> and I wait. Does infamous count? <laughs> I had, I had to interrupt your introduction. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. Hey, this is this is Mike, Steve, and Dave on the uh, soon to be world famous Wicked Spursy podcast. Is that better? That's on the wrong way, man. Joined, joined by a friend of Wicked Spursy. We, we got our friend. Uh, Nate, who I'm going to introduce to you in just a moment, but let's get started first with Mike. How you doing? Um, I'm doing well. Um, sorry, just finishing up a game of FIFA here with some clown online. Um, we appreciate your, your focus on what we're doing here, Mike. That would be helpful. That's wonderful. Yes, uh, I'll do that for you. Uh, it's it's fine because I have to use Bristol Rovers and I'm getting smoked. So this is why we're not famous because you pull this crap. You know. You, yeah, exactly. You're, you're, um, you're... I didn't think you were actually going to be on in time. So um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> shots fired. Your punctuality. Uh, I've had a good weekend. I got to see some youth hockey, which was which was uh, definitely interesting because when I go to my son's youth uh, youth soccer games, you're not allowed inside. You go to youth <laughs> hockey games though. Let me tell you. It's packed. It is packed, especially for tournaments. So I got to do that, um, which is, you know, which is, it was pretty fun. I got to see, uh, and I got to see a buddy that I haven't seen in almost two and a half years. Uh, he came up and it was just pretty wonderful visiting with him. And uh, um, of course I got to go to a, a couple of my favorite watering holes uh, with my wife and I uh, got to take the kids because you don't, there's no bars anymore. You know, there's just places to go and have some beers and, uh, you know, just have fun, good fun, good food, good beers. Um, and then today, uh, I got to have a couple of pints of neck oil with my uh, with my good buddy Steve at uh, 14 Star Brewing. And uh, so it, overall, it's been a pretty good weekend. Uh, and uh, uh, we have some other good news, too, that we'll start talking about probably pretty soon. Um, and that's outside of the fact that I am a bachelor for a week. So. Kinds of things going on for Mike. Wow, yeah, Steve. Yeah. That's why I'm playing FIFA right now. <laughs> um, I, I, I have a, I have a, a sinking feeling that Steve's weekend is going to be talking about um, sickness, little kids, and like diarrhea. Am I, am I right? Yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I don't really need to go into too much detail. I, I doubt our, uh, our scores of fans want to listen to the number of diapers that I've changed in the last hour alone. Um, <laughs> poor fucking kid. I don't he even just, want to hear that. I'm it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the the icing on the cake for lack of a better phrase uh was when he you know we just finished dinner we were sitting on the couch he comes walking over to me he's looking really chipper really you know excited and then just unleashes and i was like you've got to be fucking kidding me kid like <laughs> again <laughs> so yeah that's that's my weekend the highlight being the uh couple of beers that i had with mike um but yeah, we've been dealing with that mostly. It's not fun. This kid's not oh. going to school tomorrow, which means I'm going to be having even more fun trying to work and watch him. And uh, what a nightmare. Sorry to hear that, man. No good. No good. Hey, I want to welcome Nate. So uh, I I connected with Nate through the Extra Inch uh, Discord. We connected over something Twitter related. 
Uh, he is from my kind of town, that being Chicago. Uh, we share a love for the same baseball team, which I greatly appreciate. And uh, Nate also, to my knowledge, contributes a fair amount on Four Star Spurs, which is one of our uh, fellow Spurs casts out there. So Nate, happy to have you, man. Welcome to Wicked Spursy. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, I should tell you, I'm a Sox fan. I'm a North Sider, though, so I'm one of those people. I was able to, within an island of Cubs, but I've uh, been a White Sox fan since I think I was like three. That Day. bravery is necessary. Robin so. Ventura, early 90s. So, hey, uh, we'd like to get started with, you know, kind of the typical question, but to, to let folks find out about you. What's your what's your Spurs story? Why are you Spurs, a guy from where you are supporting the team you do? You know, it, it's really, the beginning is really mundane, to be honest. And it, it was totally by happenstance, which I think is a lot because, like, it, it starts with something small. And then as you become more connected and you find more people that connect, it can grow and grow. But I'm a Spurs fan because when I was on vacation in England with my parents, I was too hungover one day to go to Windsor Castle and ended up watching Match of the Day in my hotel room. And the match I watched was Tottenham versus Liverpool in the first game of the 2009-2010 season and that was when we beat them 2-1 Ben Asso Koto scored and Basong hit a header for a winner and I knew about all these other I knew about Liverpool I knew like the big four teams the top four I guess the sky four you could call them at the time I didn't know really anybody else and so seeing Tottenham win I was like oh these guys are interesting and I want really wanted to get into soccer that was also right before the 2010 World Cup was coming up so I wanted to get into soccer and I started doing more um research into Tottenham because they had a goofy name and they had Peter Crouch who did the robot. I didn't know that. And that was about all I went in with. And um, when I found out about the Jewish connection, because I'm Jewish, that was really all I needed to. And then I kind of blew up from there. Um, I was in college at the time in a small town in Pennsylvania. So there wasn't really any other Spurs people out there. But once I graduated and I got back to Chicago, um, I found the bar and I was going there. And that was um, obviously the year after that was a couple years later so that was actually the bail season the first avb season and once you find a good bar like that and you find a good group of people it's kind of game over especially if you're in your early 20s and it kind of just the zeitgeist was there for me and i just became more and more obsessed and more and more involved and made more and more connections through that way and i've been a huge Spurs fan ever since fantastic man we appreciate that appreciate having you too so thanks for Thanks for taking the time. To oh, yeah, us. no. Yeah, let's let's. Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to be on. We get to talk about beating one of the most expensive teams in all time for the season. I don't know. I think I'd like to spend some time analyzing um, the matches from Southampton and, and uh, Wolves. Let's, let's just dig in on those and talk about lineups and and disappointments and outcomes. Um, Steve, <laughs> quick acknowledgement of those two disasters real fast. Um. Well, let's just say I've experienced that firsthand over and over today uh, in the form of my son's diarrhea. Uh, I think that's really all we need to say about those performances. You might have an episode title right there, gentlemen. I'm writing that down in case it makes the, <laughs> makes the cut. <laughs> all right, Mike, I, you don't usually get the chance to uh, to lead off on uh, current analysis. You, you ready to go with, talk about Man City a little bit, Mike? Talk about Man City? Uh, yeah, sure. I can talk about Man City. Okay, talk about Man City. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, coming into this, uh, coming into this uh, match today, you know, or yesterday, sorry. Um, I'm pretty sure that nobody had, you know, any really great expectations coming out of it, other than the fact that for some reason, 
Tottenham seems to always give Man City fits. Um, uh, whether they're the most expensive lineup ever, um, whether they're the most uh, they're the richest club, whether they're the best club in the world, which right about now, and they were going into that match. I mean, I don't know if you got to see uh, any Champions League stuff, but like they they look on the team looked unbeatable. Um, that said. Spurs give them fits. Uh, coming in, loved loved the lineup. Um, uh, Nate might know this uh, or may not know this about me. I'm, I'm a Lucas Mora fan, um, and I have been for quite a while. Um, so um, knowing that, uh, I, I was not even one bit upset that Kulisowski was in there. Uh, I know that Lucas is probably coming to the end of his run with us. Um, and that he was going to eventually be phased out because his skill set, while it can be entertaining and fun, doesn't necessarily fit with what Conte likes to run as a system. Um, Conte's system is very, very straightforward. It's 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 based, it's like science-based almost, right? So um, every little, like I've said before, it's a, it's a machine. So every little part has its job to do and it doesn't like chaos. And that's, that's what Lucas creates is chaos. So Kulisowski takes speed out of the system, but brings it, but brings, um, brings some passing, you know, some passing skill, um, ability to, to hold onto the ball. And the fact that the guy, um, is, is surely becoming, is going to become a, a Tottenham favorite because he's, he doesn't ever stop moving. He's like a fucking shark, man. He just doesn't stop moving ever. Um, and I, and I think that contributed to what we saw, um, in the game this weekend. Um, I don't think I can give any member of this squad, um, a rating less than a six. And I would give that six to Hugo just for the kind of one boneheaded save that he didn't kind of gather in. Um, that said, uh, Harry Kane, man. You hate the guy, you love the guy, you hate the guy, you love the guy. We called him Florida man. We called him all kinds of names. I called him HK10. I wouldn't yes, even say his you, name. You also said you loved him last time. I when you recorded do love Harry Kane. That you loved him, yeah. So I, I'm Absolutely. gonna give you credit on that. Uh, the the it's guy. The ones we love that often disappoint us the most sometimes. Right. Yeah. Ouch. Right. Right. <laughs> Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Um. I I don't know if what he was doing was giving uh man city fans a preview if he was doing a, a a live an a live interview for pep and uh and the oil barons or if he uh was out there showing spurs fans which is what i think he was doing uh out there showing spurs fans i'm here i'm playing for this for this shirt i'm playing for this badge and i'm playing for you guys i think he's got since Conte came in, he's got this renewed sense of, of purpose, right? Um, I'm not, I, I don't get into tactics and shit, and you know that. I, I just kind of judge what I see on the field, and I saw a lot of guys not get down when they when they uh, equalized twice. Um, I saw a lot of guys working hard, and I saw a defense that was really super, super organized. And I think that, um, I don't. I don't know that Pep was ready. I think Pep was looking for Conte ball, and he didn't find Conte ball. And I think that really frustrated the shit out of him. Uh, he got almost what was like classic Mourinho, which is kind of sit back, play defense, and then wait for counterattacks. We, 
I mean, at halftime, Man City had like what ninety percent possession. Like it was like eighty-seven or something like that. Something crazy. Um. So, and then the second half, uh, Tottenham got to see a lot more of the ball. Um, I think Kevin De Bruyne was frustrated. Um, he wasn't Kevin De Bruyne. I can tell you that. Uh, I think a lot of those players are frustrated. What really made me happy though was when we immediately kind of answered after the Gundawan goal um, because that little fucking shit, they focused in right in on him after the goal and he looked over to De Bruyne and gave a little cheeky little fucking wink and it pissed me right off. He gave him a wink and like a little smirk like, yeah, this is who the fuck we are. And guess what? It didn't work out for him. So I'm so happy we just beat the best team in the goddamn world. Second time this season. Second fucking time. Twice. Nate, pick it up from there. Uh, what'd you see? What'd you like? Oh, man. You know, I do want to start with Kulisevsky and Benson Kirk because, you know, I mean, Dave, when we talked online, it was kind of off the back of me leaving Chicago Spurs because I ran that Twitter account for, I think, like six or seven years. And a lot of that was kind of angst about the transfer window and a lot of that stuff and how kind of how negative everybody was. It was God awful for like a month. And then we, we get these two guys in and people are still kind of down on it. Cause like they're playing up the Paratici kind of connections to Juve. And it's like, Oh, we were desperate. And he kind of went back to his, to his old home to get two guys just to say, we got two guys. Oh, we're, we lost four players. So we're going to be down. And then those first two games against Southampton and Wolves and even Brighton a little bit with Kulishevsky's appearance there and people kind of got down on him. Everyone was kind of had expectations kind of muted even further. And then to see them both come out in this game and be fantastic and not only be fantastic, but doing the things that we've been missing. When I, when I kind of, obviously when you, when you see these players and you're linked to them, you're going to go and look at the YouTube compilation, stuff like that. And they're not going to tell you the whole story, but one of the things I didn't notice out of both of them is both of them are bigger than the people we had in those positions before physically bigger. And also both have much better close control. And I look at like Kulishevsky being able to kind of be physical with the ball up there in a way Lucas Moore really can't be as much. And then Bensoncourt even more so than maybe a Winks in that position. Then And then his ability to kind of get out of those kind of tight pockets and pass the ball forward is something we haven't had in our midfield consistently in ages. And you could see it on that, on the goal, on the Kane chance that I think when he had that one-on-one when Ederson made that brilliant save and Benzikor just kind of gets the ball from our half and kind of just did one little turn and moved it upfield. And then it was one touch passing all over the place. Would have been goal of the season if that went in. Like, I haven't seen that from our midfield. I mean, it was the, it was the kind of stuff we hoped we'd get out of Ndombele and Celso, but we, we never saw it enough. And to do that in a game like this, it, it's – it was, it was excellent. And as, as Mike said, like, no one, I don't think you could put like anyone had a bad game on our team. Even Hugo with that kind of mess up, he did end up having one of his greatest saves ever on that good one chance later in the game when he had like full stretch and then he stayed down. I thought he dislocated his arm or something like that. I was kind of nervous for a second. Say Kane's back later in the game. And then speaking of Kane, I don't, I don't want to say he put his team on his back. So everybody was good, but people might hate on me for this. That was a Zidane versus Brazil performance. That was everything was coming off. Everything. I mean, I guess I guess Ederson made that one save on him, but 
it was the it was it was his highlights. It was the long passing. It was the runs of the box. It was the headers. It was the shots. It was the the hold up play. It was everything that makes uh, him the one of the best, if not you know what best. Because Lewandowski couldn't do that shit. No way. He could not operate in the way Kane did yesterday. He doesn't have that skill set. Lewandowski's is the best striker in the world. Yeah, Lewandowski's great at at being large, being in the box, and looking 48 years old. That's about all he's good at. Hey, what's wrong with looking like that, Mike? I got no beef with that. <laughs> yeah, not when not when you're a top footballer in the world. <laughs> Fair. But yeah, you know, that was it was just the sum of the game being like we had like we everyone wrote us off in this, and it would have been four losses on the trot. And I think everyone is kind of mentally prepared for that going in. And it kind of maybe lessened the kind of load that would be, but like in a vacuum, four straight losses is terrible. It's really bad in the league, especially having those Wolves Southampton games, which I mean, having them both at home and kind of having what happened is a disaster in its own right. But the comeback and look so competitive and composed throughout this game, especially defensively. I mean, Romero on that right side, perfect. Like, I don't want, you know, we'll see Benzikor and Kuliszewski, if we get this consistently, they'll be home runs, but I think we already know Romero is. Like, you penalty aside, like, that last, that last moment, I think it was like the 97th minute after we went ahead and they, and they, and, uh, they had a ball whipped right down the box and he has that great clearance out there. Oh, my God. He's just the class above the way he moves, the way his control is. It's, we haven't had a guy like that since early Toby, like, like golden age Toby. We haven't had a guy like that, and it's just amazing to see. So, yeah, that it that it totally changes everything because we were going into this game thinking this could be the start of us kind of fading out of potential any chance of top four, and now we're right back in it with with as good a chance as anybody, and it's wonderful to see because it shows we can beat anybody on our day, anywhere. Steve, how do we do that, man? What's uh what what happened? What were the tactics all about that, that made that happen yesterday? Uh, it wasn't individuals. I mean, plain and simple. I think a, a, a lot of times when Spurs are, are scraping away those kind of cagey wins, um, it's it's down to an individual moment of brilliance. How many times have we seen, you know, Sun just work some magic or Kane make this miraculous strike to to earn us something? Or even going back as far as, as, as um, you know, Bale, in his day, just single-handedly picking us up and, you know, getting something when we honestly might not have deserved it. The difference for me in that game, and, and you know, Mike, Nate, you both touched on it. it. There were no bad performances, but it wasn't necessarily that anybody was individually bad. It's that the entire team was so well connected to one another. They knew where the other people were going to be. They knew where the runners were going to be. You know, they were well organized. They were well marshaled. I, that's one of the reasons that having Dyer back in that defense is so crucial for us. He kept that back line impeccably well positioned and organized. There were times where I thought, you know, I, I don't feel confident in these guys. I, you know, I know we're doing well, but it, it just feels like City's going to get something. And as the game wore on, you could see between Dyer and, and honestly, Hoiberg in the midfield kind of marshalling those around him. There was just no space. How many times did you see, you know, like a, a, a De Bruyne or a Gundogan try to get into the box and you've got one, two people closing him down. There's no opportunity in front of them. There's no lateral move. They have to go backwards. 
We got compact in the right areas. We doubled up in the right uh, on the right people at the right times. And then when we get the ball and we're going forward, we've got multiple, and this is crucial, multiple options going forward. And that's exactly what Kulisevsky provided for us. In the past, you'd get the ball to Cade, who's probably drop back a bit to get involved right and he's looking to to spray it out wide it's going to be lucas it's going to be sun one of the two it's probably going to be sun because let's be real only one of those guys is consistent finisher of the ball it makes it really easy for the other team to close that that passing lane down and kill it and if it does go out to lucas he does have that tendency to you know maybe overrun it or overplay the ball um which is not great when you've got kane dropping deep and you can spray it out to Sun or to Kulisevsky. It's the same thing, except the ball could also find Kulisevsky, who is equally strong enough to hold up and bring others into the game. Benton Kerr, Nate, you said that he did remarkably well at times of just being that presence in the midfield to collect and distribute quickly. Um, the the that Caden chance was was brilliant. But even thinking back to that first goal, right? Kane gets it, one-time touch out to Son. He's in, and he plays that ball into Kulisevsky. It's the team working together. They're, they know where the other guys are going to be. They're starting to, to trust in their teammates, and they're working. Each and every player on that field was working their ass off all game. Personally, I felt that the weakest areas were probably our wingbacks. Sassignan got bullied a little, you know, from time to time. He did well, but not, you know, super spectacular 9, 10 out of 10 type performance. Emerson was serviceable, but again, you know, we all know what his deficiencies are. Even having those guys out there... um, they were still working. They were, they were running, they were hustling. Nobody ever kind of just shrugged their shoulders and just stopped. The movement was consistent start to stop. And, you know, Mike, we were talking at at the bar earlier about that last chance, the Kane goal to, to win us the game. Who was right next to him? Hoybjerg. Hoybjerg made that run out of midfield. You had Lucas who drew a defender. You had uh, Doherty, who kind of, you know, he, he came in to try to make an underlapping run there to pull some defenders away. You had Cade, who obviously ran in in front of Walker and got the goal. But even running in behind Cade, you had Hoybjerg, you had Benton Kerr off to the side. You had, you know, everybody was still pushing 95, 96, 97, 98 minutes into this game. They're hustling. They're giving it their all. They're you know, I still remember back to that that Regiad interview a, a few weeks ago when he was exhausted, heavy breathing, trying to talk. That's the type of performance that we were getting out of these guys. Every single person out there, the 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 teamwork and the determination, the the not stopping, that is the big difference. You know, it was it was incredible to see. The mentality was huge. You know, you guys, Mike, Nate, you you said it incredibly well. Nobody was shrugging their shoulders. Nobody was thinking, you know, woe is me. They equalized. It was always head down. Let's fucking do this. Let's get back into this game. We know what we're doing. And it was immaculate. Can I can I mention something, too, that um, <clears throat> we've heard a lot of recently is uh, Horbier is shit. Okay, so he's left out of he's left out of wolves, right? 
Um, what happened when he wasn't there? Without him there, without Dyer there, the entire team fucking collapsed. Hoiberg is not shit. Hoiberg is the, is the guy that gets down and dirty, does the dirty work that nobody else can or wants to do. Um, and, and I think Dyer backs that up. Um, you know, um, having a couple of guys in your squad that are back-to-back like that, um, one defending in the midfield, uh, you know, in the top of the box, and then one in the box who, who defends hard and plays hard, and, and both guys can direct the players that are to the right and left of them and even, even forward of them. And they can work together, and and find those open passes, find those find work work and get those 50-50 balls that that are so 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 important to grab. I I think that I think that without somebody like a Skip or Hoiberg, who we keep talking are interchangeable. I think Hoiberg has a little bit more of that um, has a little bit more of that experience that's going to get him the the play, but. Um, I, I just honestly want to flip the bird to all those people for those for the past two, three weeks have said, Hoiberg is shit. Hey, hello. <laughs> Nate, Nate what do you have me. to say about that? <laughs> I am very much, you know, I've been very much in the school of Barry with Hoiberg a lot. Um, I think Barry we saw, <laughs> I, 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 I've called him the Danish mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, Catherine's gonna get on me for that. Um, anyway, um, she's another person on Four Star Spurs who we go we go at each other on this a lot. But um, I think we saw we saw both of them. I think in the first half there was a lot of he's got some really he's got some bad habits. The bad habits are he can be tentative at times. He can be too conservative in how he plays. Where there could be a ball forward that might be a little bit difficult, but could get us in a much better position. And instead, he'll turn around and pass it back to the defense. There are times when he's just a little bit too conservative on going to the ball. Ball, I remember in one of those Chelsea games, I think it was the League Cup, I think it was the first leg, where he just let a ball roll to him and it was taking ages. And instead of going and getting it, he just waited and waited and waited and waited until eventually a Chelsea guy just took it from him. And there's a lot of that I've seen from him. And then also putting our other players in kind of bad positions with passing and then throwing his arms up in the air like they were supposed to get out of it and it's their fault. That's another thing with him that just drives me bonkers. But then, Mike, you're right. Because when he doesn't think too much and when he can just play within himself, he's fantastic because he does the dirty work. He does, he breaks up play. He's able to kind of make runs. That's when he makes those kind of crazy runs where he's able to do one-twos, gets himself in the box. There was that run at the end of the game. I think it was like the 98th minute where we had that. It was right after the narrow clearance. And he just (laughs) ran. Like there was, he had nothing left. He had zero energy left. Was it Kyle Walker that he that he ran up on? Yeah, he was like right yeah. in Kyle Walker's face, just bothering him until eventually he just knocked it out of bounds. And then Hoiberg basically died on the field. He made, that. He that's, made that. That's what did. you love about yeah. him. Because a guy like that is always going to have those moments. The thing, though, is can he do it consistently enough where he can be a mainstay in the team? That's always where I've kind of flaked on him a little bit. But when he's like that, you're right. He's great. And that's when he's great is when he's I doing things like that. As Spurs fans, I think our – one of our real problems is expecting every player to be fucking world class. Perfect. All the time. Oh Perfect. my god! Yeah, I could I could write a thesis on our in their in their personal lives, in their personal lives, in their in their on the field lives, uh, in practice when they're playing tech ball on the side, having fun. You know, Dave loves a tech ball. Um, <laughs> and 
and you know, I think we put a lot onto these onto these players, and I I mean it happens in every single sport, even with uh, even in Major League Baseball with uh, the shitty Chicago White Sox. Um, Ooh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just that coming from? Stuck it, buddy. I I'm I, I'm mis- <laughs> I'm mostly picking on Dave, but you're here now too, so that's right. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> no, it's just like does the, the thing with the White Sox is like no around me cares enough to go at them consistently <laughs> which is kind of nice because we kind of live in this kind of world where it's just like we kind of exist and then when we're good we can just be excited all the time i had i had this past season pick them to win the world series so well, next season is, don't worry it's coming. Oh, another strike when we're great like in 1994 <laughs> starting all over again uh, anyway um, no no yeah um uh, this weekend has been uh has been great I think therapy for for Spurs fans. Super super therapeutic because uh, we gave away two games. Uh, one of them was a game at hand. Um, was one of our games at hand that you know we we felt like we should have won. Um, and I think one of those games was taken back with this game because this is a game that I had chalked up as a loss. I felt like we needed thirteen to fourteen more wins uh, in us to guarantee fourth. Um, and I think we're right back on track for that now. Um, we need to pick off. We need to pick off a draw against one of the uh, upper tier teams uh, that I had chalked up as a loss. And I think we're right back in this thing. Um, we're going back. Going back into the weekend, we're gonna have another two games on Arsenal. Sorry about that. I just lost my mic. We're gonna have another two games on Arsenal, right? Going into this weekend. So um, because they have a game on Thursday and on Sunday, so. Um, I think things are back on track for us. And in soccer, anything can happen, you know? Any uh, given Saturday, Sunday, Burnley, Burnley can win. Thursday. Burnley can win. They're not going to win this weekend, but we'll get we'll get into that later. Get to that later. Before we do that, we need to do something very important. Mike, are you ready? No, he's not. He muted himself. Fuck. Right when Dave Amateur said, hour. Amateur hour. I thought I thought Dave was gonna have something to say. But that's fine. No, go ahead. Go I do ahead. have something to say. Yeah, say hey, what you need to say. What I need to say is, hey, Mike, what you drinking? Smart well, ass. I just finished a, um, a Kolsch style um, from our friends at Goodwater. Ah, uh, that Kolsch is so good. I know it is, isn't it? He's yeah, buying time right now, Steve. That first. I love He's buying time. Um, Steve, Steve and I uh, today had a, had a, he turned me on to this grapefruit goza. Uh, I had two of those and a, uh, in an IPA at, at our at our uh, local pub up here, uh, Fourteen Star Brewing. Um, Mike, I meant to ask, uh, you know, while you're still preparing your your drink for this, did you catch that lady at the bar next to us who ordered the uh, grapefruit goose? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> uh, I don't know if she thought she was getting grapefruit gray goose or. I have no idea, but she said that, and I just it took everything for me not to just laugh. I would have been okay with her saying goes because it looks yeah, like goes. Yeah, but goose? There's one O. How do you get goose out of that? You guys are beer snobs. I think you should just kind of like... People don't know how to it. spell there. That's on fair. On a consistent basis. That's fair. <laughs> so today, actually, guys, I have... Um, it's a new brewery, um, kind of a pop-up. It's like a nano brewery. Uh, they were home brewers, and um, they opened up a spot that's that's partnered with a, uh, a cold brew coffee, um, place. They, the place that roasts and, uh, 
cold brews their own coffee and they kind of partnered up together um i think they call themselves jericho brew and bean or something like that bean and brew um as a as a company but the brewing company itself is lucy and how um and i've had one of their one of their beers already i drank the entire four pack but i waited to open this one um till today um and i because we weren't on last week um this one is called witful it is not a wit at all this is w-h-i-t-f-u-l witful by lucian howe it's a black lager um i'm not a huge fan of dark dark beers they tend to be heavy they they fill you up um but you know this time of year a black lager um is it's not going to fill you up like you can't it's not going to fill you up like a stout will you know a stout or a heavy porter i love lagers so um, i'm going to get into this Ooh, sound effects what a what a great sound and automatically like open it up and it smells like it smells like a lager it's got like kind of a sweet notes sweet tones it looks brown in the can we're gonna see what it looks like when i pour it here this uh, is, is this too new to have a, a, a beer advocate review it does not have a beer advocate review Damn it's, it. it's right. literally the only one that does not have a beer advocate review interesting all right you might be the first one mike um so pouring it looks like a coca-cola <laughs> i don't think that's poetic enough for beer advocate can you can you fruit it up a little bit uh i i poured it a little too quickly um just don't talk I about mean, cream, creamy head don't don't it looks like it is. <laughs> and and it, and it probably also has something to do with the fact that i poured it into a staunch glass so you also you almost have to hold a staunch glass sideways when you pour um but it does it looks just like a coca-cola it's pretty crazy um or a pepsi cola for you people in europe who don't know what the hell you're doing or yeah they love they love pepsi in like europe and like eastern europe right in the middle east for some Do reason they? They is that a thing that is a thing who still well, calls it coca-cola that's what i want to know because i have to because there are people in the south that everything is everything's coke, coke yeah everything is coke it, it might be, be coke but it could be someone orders a drink and it's coke do they say i'll have a, a coca-cola pop please? over here yeah see in the midwest it's pop it is pop that, that's that's we god's country soda, soda, soda pop. <laughs> good god anyway um so since there's no <laughs> so that since there's no beer advocate review, we're just going to re read the thing on the side of the can today. Um, and this is, this is, there's no talk of thick lacing and all this nasty porn stuff that Steve loves to hear. Um, Steve, hold on, Steve, listeners. Steve's a big, Steve's listeners, a big fan of the, of, the, of the penthouse forum, you know. To all our <laughs> listeners, Mike's killing time because he just poured a beer with like four inches of head on it. So he's literally yeah, 100%. Wait, <laughs> waiting for this beer to settle down. Tell us a poem, Mike. Why don't you? Dave, give us Dave, Dave doesn't. Dave doesn't mess around. He he loves to call me out on shit all the time. Uh, so this like, says you gotta stay on time. <laughs> sometimes true. when the long nights of January and February blend into the bleakness of March, I just want a glass of of full of comfort. This beer, brewed dark and reassuring, is a smooth black lager with the perfect match for slower nights, deeper talks, dim light, dim light, and fireplaces, and maybe some indoor s'mores. Uh, so lagers generally have like a low low bitterness um they're usually sweeter um they're usually clear um obviously this is a black lager so the darker heavier malts um 
Uh, it's going to be lower in the on the bitterness rate, so like probably between usually 20 and 30 IBUs. So, you know, that's why uh, Keystone used to have those commercials, the bitter beer face commercials. They they were picking on IPAs at the beginning of the IPA thing. Um, this comes in at 4.7, so you can drink a few of them probably. You sure um, that was just four inches ahead, Dave? It might have been longer. <laughs> okay, why is that? It's that's ready to Mike, be drunk. Michael Scott joke right about there. We're going to let that go. <laughs> Wow. So that's uh, definitely very refreshing. Uh, it's fizzy, like a like you would have in, in a typical lager. Like a Coca-Cola? Not like a Coca-Cola. Um, I'd probably be burping right now. Um, but it is it is super, it's super sweet. It's super dark. It's got that, that feel of kind of a porter, but not as heavy. Um, and it, it's, I really like it. Um, and it's definitely like easy drinking. I could probably have four or five of them on a cold night. Whereas That's you can have probably one or two fucking stouts or Imperial stouts or whatever people are drinking these days that I don't like stouts typically. Um, pretty sure people these days are exclusively drinking IPAs. 3.2. Oh, wow. two. Huh? I, 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 I'm five. just recognizing the irony of me being on a podcast doing a beer review after I strictly drank White Claw at the bar for the city game. <laughs> break any of your guys' rules. So I got just got to... One of them did go all over the bar for the disallowed goal, which, you know, I'm bad for that. Disallowed bar, di disallowed goal. Disallowed I, I need, you know, it had to be the spirit of the moment. At times. You can't let the VAR dictate your celebrations. Otherwise, it's just a long road down. Well, I was at I was at uh, Goodwater Brewing where we have our get-togethers, and uh, I was the only one there because we didn't actually have an actual sanctioned meetup, um, and we've not been doing them because of COVID. We had a, a big Omicron outbreak, and yeah, it's been it's kind of on its way down now. But I was in there with my family uh, and with my friend I hadn't seen in two and a half years, and um, I ran around that place like we just went to the champions league final and with my arms up screaming and hollering the cooks came out of the kitchen to make sure everything was okay <laughs> i was high-fiving poor people who were there just to have lunch <laughs> and my wife said you're embarrassing me <laughs> and i said you know what if we had been having a meetup the entire place would have been like that all all 12 of us <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful time, but I like this beer. Uh, Dave happens to know the the owner. Is that true? I know the uh, one half of the ownership. Yeah, the uh, the wife in, in the family is someone that I used to work with. Good, good person. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you glad you did one of their beers. And it was called Whit Whitful. Yes, W H I T F U L. Nice. Three point two yeah. on it. Yeah, and it's got like kind of old school boxers on the label, and I'll and I'll throw that up on our on our Facebook page. Sweet, is that All what right, they so looked like when you were a kid? <laughs> Why oh. I oughta? <laughs> They're so reading this... it on the little Telegram. I've got That's a big right. twisty mustache. And... Yeah. <laughs> challenging somebody to a duel in the alley. Um, <laughs> this has been. Hey, Mike, what you drinking? So, Mike, as always, we appreciate it. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we turn next? We've got two more important things to do. We need to talk midweek. 
and we need to talk uh, about our new segment that we are debuting this evening. So get ready for that, Steve. But first, the only way to ruin the joy of a win away at City is to go to Burnley on a Wednesday night. And that's what's happening this week. So, Nate, I'm curious. What's is it your... Wednesday? Yeah, it's Wednesday. Sunday. No, we got somebody else Sunday. I don't have any Leeds. Leeds. Leeds Sunday. Oh, Leeds is on Sunday. Jesus, Sunday. yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Um, Nate, what, what's your what's your thought going away to, to Burnley midweek? What are you thinking? Burnley all of a sudden are good, which is kind of what seems to happen with a lot of the teams in the kind of relegation fight right around this time of season. It's kind of when you don't want to play them because it's when they're fighting for everything. And Burnley are in that position, and they've been heavily boosted by a player that's not boosted, Luke Weghorst, who they signed. Um, and we're probably able to sign because – they don't check vaccination records of the players. And I see what you did. Is a Nate, conspiracy. I see what you did there. That was actually really, really yeah, good. Yeah, you know, just, playing it all in, right? Yeah, well done. He's also amazing, and he's been great for them. And after they sold Chris Wood for $25 million, and shout out to Chris Wood for meowing at Kurt Zuma during the Newcastle-West Ham game, which is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Genius. Uh, yeah, Craig Dawson had to complain to the referee about it. That's it's one of the funniest headlines I've, I've seen this season. But, um, but yeah, Woot Weghorst was a guy, I actually, before I, before I found out he was super anti-vax and even after maybe a little bit, kind of wanted him to go to Spurs because it would have been a brilliant plan B option. He was, he was great for, um, I think it was at either Werder Bremen or Wolfsburg, one of the two. I always get them confused in the, in the Bundesliga, but he was scoring goals very regularly for them. And he's perfect for Burnley. He's this giant fuck off six foot five striker that they can just hit long balls from Dwight McNeil or um, Loden or whoever they have out on the wings in pure Burnley fashion and try to shithouse goals. Cause that's the Burnley way. And, you know, Sean Deitch, I respect the man. I, I really do because Burnley has no, has no business being in the top flight for this long consistently for their budget, for the kind of team they are. And he's gotten the most out of that. And this year might be the, might be the one that eventually does them in, but he's, given everything to them and yeah Burnley Burnley are always like we, we've beaten them I think a lot we've beaten them consistently there's been one or two hiccups there's obviously the one in 2019 the kind of the end of the Pochettino where he kind of flipped out and got suspended and that kind of started the downturn but other than that we've probably been able to handle them but it's always difficult isn't it it's always a shithouse one nil or something like that so it's going to be really tough and it's going to be completely different from how we played City um, one of the things I am encouraged by is having Eric Dyer back to deal with Leghorst and to deal with um, Ashley Barnes and whoever else they play him on Vidra or whoever they put up there with him. Um, I remember Pochettino would always go to the back three for this game. Like even when we weren't really doing it, he would kind of want to have the extra center back in there just to deal with the two strikers they play up being these huge guys. So I think we're positioned in a decent spot for them with, with Conte but, but it's still going to be, yeah, Wednesday at night in the cold at Burnley. It's one of those kind of ones where you really want to know, is this game that we just had, is it going to be the momentum builder that we need to kind of have another great kind of run? Or is it still struggling with teams like Burnley? Um, who We'll see on Wednesday. But um, I, like, I like the matchup with Dyer back. I really do. Um, I think that's going to give us a huge kind of boost for this, for this one. We love having, having Dyer back. It, it feels almost like, uh, 
like dad came home and settled everything down. You know, that, that's kind <laughs> yes. of the, the feel nice of that whole show. thing. Yeah, exactly this. right. Older Steve, brothers back from summer camp. Everybody. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Steve, pick it up from there. What's uh, What are you thinking as you look at Burnley? You know, it's Spurs have this tendency to get your hopes up and then punch you in the crotch. Um, and that's kind of what I'm expecting. I, I'm trying to keep my expectations low going into Burnley, into Leeds. Um, Leeds more so because they seem to have been on a, a bit of a slide lately. And so I'm almost more afraid that that that's when they're going to decide to click into gear and, and start performing again. Um, but you know, I've been a Spurs fan for a while now. Here it comes. Every time we have a brilliant game like this, I, and I start to feel, you know what, we're turning it around. We're going to perform. I'm always Steve, disappointed. Steve, you're not here starting a new segment here. Are you? You're not doing the here new it comes. No, 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 no. I'm not okay. not getting to that yet. Okay. 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 So, so I'm, I'm just saying, I'm trying to, to temper my expectations because if I get excited coming out of this brilliant, immaculate city game and feel like we're going to fucking bring it to Burnley, we're going to bring it to Leeds, I'm just going to be disappointed. So you know what? I'm going to flip the script a bit. And I'm going to start off by thinking I'm going to be disappointed. And that way I'll be pleasantly surprised if anything good happens. It's the way I run my life, Steve. Steve, and that is my mantra. This, that's fantastic. Lower your expectations. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. Steve's figured it all out. Although well, I, we may have another episode title from Steve, Get Your Hopes Up and Punch You in the Crotch. But that might be too long. That's way too many Twitter characters. So I don't know if I can, I can pull that one off when we, when we post that. But, um, Mike, I mean, what, what you, you could do is you, you title this one, Get Your Hopes Up. And then when we inevitably lose, the <laughs> next Fuck, I knew it. There it is. In the crotch. Jesus, I knew he was going to say it. <laughs> the words when we inevitably lose right mike Those god words. damn it so so <laughs> nate you don't know this but steve has a way of making these fucking predictions and uh they come true unfortunately when he makes the predictions that come true they're never on good. our they're good are they <laughs> yeah no. you know at least he didn't give us a lifelong learning really it's less like it's less superstition more just like accuracy like we've all been here at least he didn't give us a score this time to be fair i do think that we'll probably beat leads it even though i said that they're the ones who you know just my luck they'll turn it around of the two games i think leads is probably our easier one simply because of how they play we'll have the space to exploit them a bit more than a compact burnley point i'm in agreement with you there mike what do you think on Burnley? And then I would like you to introduce our, our magic new segment for the oh boy, this for this is pod. gonna be great. Yeah. Um, I wish I had music for that. That'd be great. Um, but anyway, um Burnley, um honestly, I didn't even know because I fucking use I still use the ESPN app, even though I hate ESPN. Uh, they haven't updated the, the game schedule, so I actually forgot we were playing Burnley on Wednesday. Uh, that said, I agree with everything you guys are saying, um, except I don't know that this Burnley team um, is going to play compact. I don't think I think they're going to they're going to try and take it to Spurs. And because of of the success that Wolves and uh, Southampton have had on um, on the Conte system, uh, pressing, just pressing up um, and dictating what happens in the midfield. So I think. 
I think that Burnley is going to try and take it to Spurs in the beginning. And then if that doesn't work, they might back up. Uh, if they're, if they're constantly getting, getting pummeled and countered, um, off of that, off of that type of a, a game, I think that they're going to, they're going to back up really quickly. Um, as long as we play well enough in the midfield to, to, to not get bullied by them. Um, I'm assuming we're not going to see Harry Winks in the midfield. Um, I'm almost also assuming that Skippy's not going to be ready as well. So, um, I'm plenty happy, um, sending out that lineup we sent out today. Um, we're not going to see Reggie. Reggie's out with his, uh, with his COVID situation, um, which is fine. Get well, Reggie. We, we, uh, hope you can come back soon. Um, I don't think Sessegnon had as bad of a game as everybody thinks he had. Um, I think he was at times brilliant on defense. He just wasn't great going forward. But I think Sessegnon is going to be one of those guys who, just like just like Emerson, uh, is going to need a, a good run. You know, uh, Emerson's young. He hasn't played in this league. Uh, Sessegnon's young. He hasn't played in this league because he's been injured um, constantly. Um, so guys need good runs of, of play in order to develop any kind of form. Let's give him some time. Let's give Conte some fucking time. Uh, we don't have to start hollering Conte out and blaming it all on Enoch because they didn't get guys in January. Um, so again, um, I, I don't think I don't think we're gonna have too much trouble with Burnley. Um, I don't expect us to blow them out four one or four nil. Um, but you know, I, I'm I'm assuming that we're probably gonna take home a. 2-1-3-1 win. Um, and then going into Leeds, Leeds plays a little bit. We know what Bielsa Ball is all about. Leeds plays wide open, wide open. And uh, if we don't close them down and cut off cut off uh, all the green space that they like to operate in, we're going to be screwed. Um, the, the thing with Leeds is that they run out of gas really quickly. Um, it, happened, it happened today, if you watch their match today. Um, they gave they gave Man U all they could handle for how long and then just uh, sixty out. minutes and then they were they just, fell, they just fell apart. Like it's a small squad too. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and so, you know, I, I, we took it to Leeds before with 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 the club we had. I think we I think we can take it to him again. I don't think we're gonna have any issues this weekend. Um, that said, you know, um, there's plenty of room for people to start talking crazy and putting things out there. And uh, I know just the person to address these kinds of things because there's a guy who loves conspiracy theories out there. And uh, I think this is going to lead into our new segment, Conspiracy Theories with Steve. And so today... <laughs> That was nice. I like the uh, the phone into the microphone there, Dave. <laughs> Look, all right. Here's we don't, the we don't deal. have a sound emulator yet, so just relax, Steve. We're not that rich. <laughs> Look, what when we get our hundreds of thousands of listeners and can have nice things like a sound engineer to help us out, maybe we'll get a cool intro segment. But until we're, then, we're trying to avoid copyright issues too. You know, we we hate to get kicked off the air for uh, for copyright infringement, right, Steve? Can you? Yeah, can, sure. Can you have to kick off the air. I have no idea. Maybe with YouTube, we could get we could get canceled on YouTube, right? But we don't do that. We just uh, not yet. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
someday world takeover. So today's conspiracy is all about the referees in the fucking Premier League. I don't know if you guys have seen this video going around after that winning goal that Harry Kane scored. You can see the fourth official in frame as Conte's running off to celebrate looking distraught. Now, I don't want to, you know, say that he's out to get Spurs or anything, but let's be honest, who else would be distraught about a winning goal if they didn't have some kind of, you know, something riding on the game? City plastics, I get. Again, I can't use the term fans because let's be real, they don't exist. It's Man City. Um, Them I get being upset. Pep I get being upset. But the ref, obviously, he must be in the Man City pocket and was expecting Man City to win that game. And when there was absolutely no legitimate reason to call that goal back, he was upset. He's going to lose out on his paycheck simply because he couldn't find any excuse to disallow that goal and give it away to, to somebody on the City team. You know, it's, it's, we've seen this for far too long. Just look at the yellow card accumulation. Just look at that. Do you think anybody on that city team got the cards that they deserved to get? I'm thinking De Bruyne's challenge at Emerson, where he came in like a wrecking ball, like Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball, knocking Emerson over. He gets fucking walking away. I don't think he even got spoken to. I'm pretty sure that the ref out on the field was even reluctant to call that a foul. He just did it, you know, to keep up appearances. But if if the bias from the Premier League refereeing was any more obvious, I think we would have many more people out there questioning their decisions. Spurs played a great game. They deserved to win. And just the one look on that sideline told you everything you needed to know. The refs wanted City to win. They were in it from the beginning. And I don't even want to hear anybody trying to tell me otherwise because, frankly, it won't hold up under scrutiny. But that's still, end of story. This is true, 100% fact. You can quote me on that, but please don't quote me on that because, I again, it's not something that i want scrutinized stevie boy what's 100 percent fact is you just dropped a miley cyrus reference on <laughs> on wicked spurs he was of consciousness you didn't even think about that that just that just came out Look, i am all curious I'm saying is when i think kevin de bruyne i think miley cyrus really nobody I, I else think, really I think the albino in the defense code <laughs> powder yeah <laughs> that'll do it so so mike and nate he gets I love 70 minutes into a game and loses his eyebrows I want, I want to hear your reactions to uh, Steve's conspiracy corner. Uh, Mike, oh. you want to go first? Or Nate? Oh, no. Okay, Steve's conspiracy corner. That's that's the name now. That's the um, name, Steve's conspiracy corner. Right, right to it. Man, we went we went from like Bob Marley earlier in the season to Steve's conspiracy corner. Anyway, um, I I watched that video over and over again, and like I didn't want to explain to my son why i was watching the video so i was like no you gotta watch conte excited he's he jumps into ryan mason's arms and like all that and you know i i didn't want to tell him the real reason i was watching the video because i was like there's no fucking way 
Then I watched the video. I was like, hey, wait a minute. What the fuck? And then I said, wait a minute. The rational side of me, the, uh, the you know, the anti-pizza gate Hillary Clinton is abducting children in the basement of a pizza shop type of a thought. Is that, is that, is that this referee, this fourth referee was just the goal went in. He went, oh, fuck. I got to deal with this asshole. He turned, he turned around. He saw Pep crying on the ground. Oh, okay, cool. We're good. And then he turned his back again. That's what happened, Steve. Uh, Scrutiny? Mike, look, before you get carried away any further, need I, I remind you, need I remind you, I'm a millennial and I'm sensitive and need my safe space. So please don't attack me too much. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you, uh, I, I, you want a conspiracy theory. Anthony Taylor is from Manchester. Dun, dun, dun. How did I forget that? How did I forget? Probably he's a, because he, he, he's a United supporter, but. Nate, yeah. you might be the uh, the deciding vote here on whether or not Steve's conspiracy holds up. What are you thinking? You know, I got a lot in line with Mike, and and like thinking like, oh, you know, you know, cups a handful. Not his best day. That was not his best day. He never has his best day against us. They're usually his worst days. You can't beat the Harry Kane team, even without Harry Kane sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I can totally see where where it's going, where, where Mike's coming from. But then there's that kind of devil on my shoulder, and he's whispering in my ear. It's Craig Pawson. Now, you guys don't know this. I despise Craig Pawson. I, I hate him as a referee. He's got this look on his face that he's never in control. He looks like a substitute that's going to teach at an inner city public school for the first time. Like he's got this like look of fear in his eyes that you can't like that you, that you never that like he's 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 gonna make a decision to kind of just because he wants to be the friends of the players or something like that like he it's because he probably supports a team like Sheffield United or Sunderland something whatever it is Craig Boston <laughs> he's just like he's a limp dick fuck just the way he looks like that sometimes like I, I hate Craig Boston like he's my least favorite official in the league so part of me really wants to go with Steven on this and saying, cause, cause Pawson always fucks us over. I swear to God, always like he's the new Howard Webb. Not really. Cause he's never going to be a Howard Webb again, but man, he pisses me off. So I'm just kind of stuck in, in, in between here, but I think, you know, just, just for, just for the banner to stick with my millennial compatriot, Steven, I'm going to go full on in this conspiracy and say, fuck Craig Pawson today, tomorrow, forever. <laughs> Millennials, Mike, they'll get you every time, won't they? The only referee that I really, really hate is Kevin Friend. I just hate him. Oh my God, he was the, he was the, he was the leads ref today, and he wouldn't give McTominay a card. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And I and I said that I said that to my wife, and I was like, he should have like six yellow cards right now. And he's and she's like, why? And I said, look on us. I know exactly where you're coming from, Mike. I, she said, why doesn't he then? And I said, because this referee sucks. <laughs> And Kevin friend's got this smug look on his face that he's above everything. Like he knows the right way to do things and his way is right. I totally get where you're coming from, Mike, but it's Pawson's kind of just like, Oh, please don't hurt me. I'll give a yellow card kind of face. <laughs> that really fucks me with my head. Like, I hate that. I hate him. Oh my God. He was sad. If he was sad, good. Good. Any kind of misery in that man's life is better for the rest of us. 
<laughs> you see, Nate, you, you have to understand, he's not a normal ref. He's the cool ref. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I like the new segment, man. This is the best, the best opening to like a new segment ever. No question. Absolutely. Great. So speaking of openings, let's talk about closing. Let's, uh, let's have some closing thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, Steve, let's go right back to you. What are your closing thoughts as we wrap things up? Uh, I have three closing thoughts, actually. The first two are pretty quick. Um, number one, color commentary in these games is just fucking atrocious. I, what was it? Like five seconds into the game and, you know, whoever was doing it, it was uh, the Sky Sports color commentary who was like, you know, if they, if they defend poorly, it's going to be a rough night for them. It's like, yeah, no shit. That's how the game fucking works, dude. Do you, you get paid for this? Come on. The second of my closing thoughts, again, targeting the Sky Sports commentary team. Can we talk for a second about the three Ks that that dude tried to force out? They got Kane, they got Kulisevsky, and they have the Korean. What the fuck was that about? The I was Korean. sitting there. Like, was that character? I, I don't know who it was, but I just, I, I texted her a WhatsApp chat and I was, what's, fuck, I can never say that. Damn I texted her, I texted our chat and I was asked, like, was that racist? Like, they give the two white guys their names and then it's just the Korean. But all that aside, I don't think any single Spurs supporter wants our front three to be referred as, as KKK. That just does not sound good at all. It doesn't sit well with me. I can't imagine it sits well with any of us. My final thought is a little lighter. So a couple weeks ago on our on the podcast, I mentioned how I was getting this book, How to Be Perfect. Um, and I was going to have the answers to everything. Everything I say is just, you know, that's the, the definitive answer. And I got to say, all joking aside, this book is phenomenal. It's it's uh, Mike Schur wrote it. Uh, Mike Schur, who who also wrote The Good Place, he did The Office, Parks and Rec. Um, he's absolutely brilliant writer. But he talks about um, his experiences writing, um, how his experience writing comedy has led him down this uh, morals and ethics rabbit hole, and it's just it's incredible the way that he he tackles such difficult uh, topics with humor and and with this this clear understanding that he is not an expert um it's it's a fantastic read it has me thinking a lot about you know my own life and the, the way that i think about things and um you know there's one segment i was telling mike in particular that i feel is probably valuable um for anybody that follows you know they have a sports team they like or you know a favorite movie or or, or book series or whatever and it's the morality behind separating the art from the artist what do you do when you have this this deep love for something and then you find out that something associated with it is just terrible uh, and the example he gives is um, in reference to uh, washington co commandos commanders what the fuck are they now um, the commanders don't be a dickhead commies. <laughs> yes the commies thank you the washington commies uh <laughs> But basically he's talking about, you know, if you're if you're a fan of, of the former Washington football team and you have been for all your life, how do you get on board with a dickhead owner? You know, can you support that team knowing that the owner is a piece of shit? Um, I can tell you the answer. 
it's it, I, it's a brilliant read, and honestly, you know, it it has me thinking a lot about you know the various situations. Lucas Mora is a polarizing figure for Spurs for that very reason, um, and he doesn't have any answers. The great part about this book, there's no concrete answers. It's always a, this is just something to think about, something to chew on, something for you to consider. Um, but what I got out of it is, you know, you can say Lucas Mora has done an incredible job for Spurs, and Lucas Mora has questionable personal beliefs. They can both be true, and as long as we as Spurs fans kind of hold him to the flame a little bit and say, look, dude, we really appreciate that night in Amsterdam, but stop supporting a fascist dictator. Like, I get that that's kind of the Brazilian thing to do, having Brazilian heritage myself and, and seeing what that's done to my family. I get it, but at the same time, we can be better, he can be better, and we have to push him to be better but we don't have to write off his contributions. We don't have to say he's a, a terrible influence on the team. We can acknowledge two things can be true at the same time. Great book. I'm not being paid. Nobody's paying me. Nobody even knows that I've fucking read this book. Well, nobody of importance. Um, and yes, I'm including you guys. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, guys, check it out. It's called How to Be Perfect by Mike Schur. Brilliant book. Absolutely love it. Highly recommended. Baby boy, I, I just ordered it on Amazon, man. You sold me. Impre impressive little little spiel there. By the way, Nate, so you know Mike is a lifelong fan of the uh, the artist formerly known as the Washington Redskins, so that's where the uh, the Commanders, Commandos uh, reference comes into play there. Uh, speaking of stuck with football team and just ran with it forever, like just to be different. Can I assume, Nate, you're a, you're a, a sorrowful Bears fan like myself? Not by choice. Right, it's, it's by <laughs> birth. It's just how it goes. Mike, closing thoughts from you, sir. What do you got? Um, yeah, I'm going to address Steve's comments uh, a little bit. No, just quickly, uh, I, I, like I said, I can tell you why um, we continue to support the team. Um, and it's because of the history of the team. It's the same thing for lifelong Spurs fans. Um, same thing for lifelong Red Sox fans like, like myself or my, uh, my grandfather. Um, my grandfather never thought he'd see them win it, and he finally did. Uh, and he was 80 years old at the time and passed away shortly after. Um, but he never thought he was going to see the Sox win. So, um, like that said, uh, as, as, as a former Redskins fan, um, now a Commanders fan, um, I can say that the reason we support the team is because of the history of the team and the joy that it brought us in, in, back then. Um, I think every single one of the fans acknowledges that Daniel Snyder is a piece of garbage and we want him out. Um, harder to, harder to do than to say. Um, so, but so that said, getting back to my final thoughts on, on Spurs, um, going forward. Um, the, the one thing that I keep hearing over and over and over again is, is how, Oh, we would have won if this, we would have won if that. Oh, these defensive mistakes, uh, these, you know, uh, we would have beat Chelsea or we would have drawn with Chelsea if not for these three own goals. Uh, but guess what? I'm sick and tired of people saying that shit because how are most goals scored? Are most goals scored off of brilliant offensive play? No. I would say in the in the Premier League itself, probably 
very, very few. I, I bet 20% of goals are from brilliant offensive play, mostly from defensive breakdowns and errors on defense. And so to sit there and say that, oh, we only lost because of these breakdowns and breakdown and defensive errors and these fluke things that happen, that's what soccer is all about. That's what any sport's about. Breakdowns and defense. Um, it's not always, always, always some brilliant offensive play that happens. Um, we had brilliant offensive play today, as Nate talked about, that led to no goal, right? Should have, should have, could have, would have, you know? We can't sit there and, and it, it, it kind of, I kind of, you can kind of group in those same people who talk like about that kind of stuff um, with the people who say, um, well, you know, Man City came came to Tottenham in in two thousand three, and we thrashed them five to one. And you know, not the same fucking team. You know, we have to stop living in the past and reliving over and over and over again, and look to the future, and look to look to see what's going to happen next. Who do who do we have next? Let's focus on that as fans, especially, and not get too fed up or too uh, wound up in what happened in the past because you know past doesn't mean that it's going to happen now right teams are different players are different situations are different weather's different um the ball might have a, you know a pound less air in it who knows you know i i don't know if you watched that man united game today but those dudes were running through inch deep water Anything can happen. It can fucking snow in Burnley. <laughs> the end. Snow and get the game called off. <laughs> yeah, that's, why time. that's why we're playing the game on Wednesday. There you mm -hmm. have it. There you have it. Thank you, Mike. All right, Nate, on to you. What are your uh, closing thoughts? Well, I just want to kind of continue with the pattern here if we're talking about, like, the different how, relationships with the team that you have and how we all, how we feel about certain things. And I would just say, you know, Steven made the comment about lowering your expectations early on in the podcast. And I would say there's a part of that, but what I like, what I always try to do and what has kind of dawned on me, especially kind of coming the pandemic, coming out of it is like, try to find the things that make you happy the most in how you follow your teams, whether it's Tottenham, whether it's somebody, whether, whether it's the, uh, the football team or the commanders or commies or whatever the name is now. Um, you talk about the owner, you talk about Lucas Mora, but what about yourself? Why, why do these people that kind of put a foul taste in your mind or in your brain about this association, why do they get to take the club from you? Why, why, why does their opinion and their relationship to the club mean more than yours? And that's what I always try to try to do in my relationship to my sports teams. Cause I mean, I'm from Chicago. I've had to root for a lot of shitty teams, like for a lot, like I'm loving the bulls this year, but there was six years of just garbage before that. I mean, Blackhawks were so bad that the owner didn't want to put them on television for the home games for 10 years, maybe even longer. And we got a great series and then it was ruined. Well, and I say that, but then we had this horrible kind of, this horrible uh, scandal with uh, with with a sexual assault with one of the coaches on one of our players, and it's just rocked the team to its core. And it's made me think about all these guys that I like 
revered that had the knew about it and all these kind of horrible things going on with that. And it's like, well, are you going to let these guys own that relationship that you've had for maybe, maybe longer than they'll even be there? No, you got to think about what it does for you. And, you know, going back to the bar, cause Mike, you mentioned that you hadn't seen your friend two and a half years and you just come back to the bars after the Omicron outbreak. I was in a similar position. I, I hadn't been since around Thanksgiving weekend, maybe longer. Um, and last year I didn't go at all. And this was the thing I did every week and I had made lifelong friends, friends with that, those connections um, and kind of missing that. And then coming back and having a day like yesterday where, you know, you beat Man City on a last minute winner. You're seeing all these people you, you see every weekend you haven't seen in a long time going crazy beers or white claws hitting the ceiling, mass hysteria, dogs and cats living together. And like always kind of, I, I like to say, you know, like, maximize those moments maximize those connections you have with 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 this with the with tottenham or whoever you follow whatever you do more than kind of the lows and the kind of crappy moments and the social media and stuff like that let that wash over you and just keep the good memories and make those be the things that your focal points that you focus on don't let other people ruin this for what it means to you if it means so much to you Yeah, I don't know that I can counter that. Anybody got anything to say to that? That that's that's where it is. You know, it's making me think of our WhatsApp chat. Uh, did, did they really slowly you know what? Steve? Fuck you, what's <laughs> no, I have the same problem, man. What, what's up, chap? Uh <laughs> it, up, it always ends up chap instead of chat. But you know what? Like one of the joys I get out of uh my Spurs connections are connecting with some of the guys that we just chat with every damn day, you know, match or not. We're we're talking smack about the club, we're talking smack about each other, and that's that's enjoyable. And that that's where my joy comes from. Yeah. I, I don't really care, you know, what somebody thinks about Daniel Levy. I care. I care about my experience around supporting the team and watching the team and, and having conversations about it. And I think that's really well put Nate. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that context. Gentlemen, we've reached the end. Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys, Mike and Steve. We could do this all the time. Nate, you've been a fantastic guest, man. Thanks for. Oh, it was a pleasure being here guys. This was amazing. Yeah, really, really enjoyed enjoyed having you. Would love if you're open to joining us again sometime down the road. That'd be yeah, that'd so be, it would be great. Great as well. And as always, uh, to our uh, growing fans and listeners, we are soon to be world famous. So we, uh, you know, hop on the bandwagon now because there's a there's crazy things happening in the Wicked Spursy world. And uh, with that, Steve, I'm going to turn to you real quick. Squeeze, 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 squeeze. Mike, be safe. Take care, everybody. <laughs>